Welcome to the State of Men. I'm Aiden Dowling. And I'm Mike Watts. And in today's podcast, we'll be continuing to unpack masculinity by looking at relationships. Society tells us that men have a hard time creating relationships. Kind of curious. Do you agree? Do you not? We'll take a deep dive into that today. But first, Mike, how you doing? I'm doing well. Doing pretty good, I have to say. It's been a... Yeah? Yeah, overall feeling pretty good. I've had a skin flare up like over the past couple of weeks and I just realized, you know, yesterday I was working with the people that have been helping me and I just kind of went off the wagon a little bit since we got to Maine. Mm. So off and that was like eating and just kind of really being on my program. So I realized today or yesterday in their conversation with them is like, it's time. I feel good. Like I feel like ready to get back on. Uh, yeah, that was good. And just a little bit inspired, I would say from... I was put it working on some copy for my coaching stuff this morning, which has been great and had a good session yesterday with uh, somebody to help me with all that stuff. So that's good. It's coming together. Well, I would say. Awesome. That's great. Moving forward. Yeah. Just slowly. I, I do have <laughs> a lot of procrastination around it. You know, that's for sure. Mm. I realize, like just putting, I'm just diving into that more with my own self. Like what is the procrastination about? And so right. I haven't quite figured that out yet, but I'm asking myself those questions. I haven't started writing about it yet, but I could journal on it. Um, yeah, so we'll figure that one out. But I saw Fast and Furious 9 last night. They have nine of those? <laughs> oh, yeah. I've seen okay. all nine. Okay. Um, in the first and second and third, like multiple times. Yeah, but it's just I went with two of my buddies. So it's cool. I'm like cultivating this kind of men's community that I haven't had when i lived in maine previously and as i'm leaving i'm starting to like hang out with these guys more mm. um but that was cool it was just ridiculous it used to be about the cars now it's about action oh right it's just like huge blockbuster action things and you really like cars right like racing and stuff like i that. do i like cars i'm not like a car head or a motorhead and just like completely obsessed but i like the i like cars just like it's kind of like I like houses. I like to look at houses as well as I like to look at cars. And but yeah, it's not like a I've worked on a race team one That's weekend cool. at Daytona. That was fun. Um yeah, I just like the sport of I like sports and so it's mm -hmm. a fun sport. It's mm -hmm. it's very comp you know, cars are very complicated and yeah, but I do. Aerodynamics, right? They're very sciencey. They are very sciencey. Yeah. It's interesting to see the new cars rolling out versus cars from 30, 40 years ago, mm. you know, and how they're changing the aerodynamics. Yeah. Yeah. I know. Uh, I only know because I saw a TikTok when they were like trying to explain aerodynamics to somebody who does knows nothing about cars or whatever. Yeah. What is like, it? Do you know blah, aerodynamics? Blah, blah. I like, no. All I know is that, like, you know, if you put like a wing on the back of the car, it like lifts it up or whatever. Right. Um, and like if it's less boxy, I think I feel like I know the really basic stuff. Um, Got it. I wouldn't consider that actual knowledge that yeah. <laughs> like, I, I wouldn't like it's just kind of like well, that makes I sense. think the wing pushes it down to the ground, not lifts oh. it up. Oh, see, so. Clearly, I don't know. Because if you anything. put a wing on it, it's going to fly, right? Yeah. So I think I could be wrong on that. I don't but know. Some really people know. have like really high wings, right? Like their wing yeah. is like four feet from their yeah, car. Yeah, a lot in F1, right? Yeah. So you think about racing, 
they put wings on the back of the car so that because they want downforce, so pushes it closer to the ground. So the closer See? that it is to the ground, then they can ha- hold tighter turns. You know, like think about a minivan, its center of gravity is much higher. Mm. So if you go around a curve in a minivan at 70 miles an hour, most likely you're going to flip over. Right. Right. But like an F1 car is your base, your butt is basically sitting on the ground. See, right? so I knew two things about aerodynamics and, and now I'd learn, I've learned that I actually know one thing. Right. Yeah. <laughs> So that's good. That shows how much I don't know. But I I'm mean, learning. there's plenty of TikTok uh, videos you could just yeah, check out and see. Yeah, yeah. I don't. I, but, I know nothing about actual cars. I just I like aesthetic. Anything that's aesthetic. So like, yes. I like architecture and you know making things look really like as like when you look at it like aesthetically, you're just like so attracted to it. That's very, uh, as you said, it hits you in the genitals. I love that that's saying. Right. I use yeah. that saying often now. Um, which in my own mind, I don't go telling people like, yeah, this really hits you in the genitals. <laughs> you know what I mean? But um, that could be our sub headline. The state of man <laughs> hits you in the genitals. Uh, I forgot who asked me that. I really wish I would have known. Really wish I could remember that conversation. Uh, it's almost, I just like to imagine that you thought of it. So I, like I can just claim you. it. Yeah. I think I like to think of you as the original creator um, until like the owner comes back. Right. Right. Um, um, well, I'm happy that you're feeling better in general, you know, you had a lot, I mean, that was a lot going on moving and you, and you had, you were doing a lot of work before you broke your kneecap. Like all you were really focused on was, you know, healing your body and what you're eating and how you're moving and what you're doing and exposing yourself to. So, um, it's good that you're able to find some motivation to get back in that and also continue to build some relationships. You know what I mean? Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. It does feel good. It's, yeah, I mean, all that stuff's still happening, right? Like everything you right. named hasn't stopped. Um, but it is this place where in New York, in Miami previously, like things have really calmed down since we showed up in Maine. I think that's getting out of our apartment, stuff mm. like that. But I, I feel like with Kate and I being here, it's the it's calmed down a lot between the two of us, which is good. And we're just processing as it comes to be like, okay, this is this is like causing me a reaction, like a stir, a stirring the pot. And I think that's been helpful for the two of us is to not feel resentful towards each other around it. It's like just allowing it, listening to each other and kind of moving, moving through it. It's very similar to what my article is about. So I'm not going to dive too much into it because we're going to talk about that. Okay. Uh, It really explains the difference between Kate and I. So I will, but this article is about men, the truth of men in relationships with other men, but this explains so you're how the yeah so we are no i'm not but it's <laughs> i'm uh, not going to dive into it. i'm just going to tell you a little bit about yeah, it I'm now gonna, a, and I'm then it <laughs> but how are you with your you know it was your birthday and then jenny lee's yeah. birthday back to back which is great yeah. and also like a pain because you guys have to you know share the weekend in a way right i mean we've really like we've we've embraced it so when we first got together, we would just so my birthday's on the 16th of july and jaylee's on the 19th so it's only three days apart so I usually take my birthday and the next day, and then she takes the day before her birthday and her birthday um, as like focuses. But honestly, she was like almost like she kind of got a little sick of what I had, which kind of really sucked. Um, But she got better much quicker. Like, I think my dilemma was that I got an infection and she didn't. So what took me you know, seven or eight days to get over. She's getting over in three or four days. So mm-hmm. she's feeling better. Um, 
you know, it was just a change of plans. And honestly, it was it was very synchronistic because the night before we we were supposed to go out on the river and the night before a friend came over, just gave us a like little gift, like candle and like some cookies or something. And then randomly there was this little origami like swan, you know, like the little birds You've probably seen them before. Um, and then I was like, oh, that's interesting and random, but kind of cute. So I just put it, you know, on the table in the cute little spot. And then uh, the next day we ended up going to a sushi place because we didn't want to go out on the water um, because she still wasn't feeling 100 percent. And that hot sun will just make you feel like crap, even if you're feeling fine. Mm-hmm. And so we went to a sushi place and we sit down and we look up and there's like 50 of these little origami little like you know, swan duck things above us. And I was like, that's pretty fucking that's cool. cool. Yeah. yeah. Um, and Maybe then the person that gave it to you stole it from there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. That would be really ironic. Uh, but then it started mon- like downpouring for like an hour. So if we had gone and out of nowhere, you know, very, very Miami, like where yeah. it's like sunny. And then in a matter of 10 minutes, you're like, uh, we should probably go somewhere because it's going to fucking pour. Um, and that's what happened. It started pouring. So I was like, thank God we weren't out because I wouldn't have been able to like row our butts back to the harbor before. And it didn't stop for like an hour and a half. It was just nonstop, very windy. So it was like, OK, cool. We did the right thing, even though it felt hard to not do what we were, what we wanted to do and what we had our hearts set on. Um, so it was good. Overall, it was a good birthday. And I think that we're just learning and navigating with a child and birthdays. It's kind of the, the theme, honestly, I feel like we're going to get used to it. And then like, I mean, I guess it's a good thing. He'll go to school and then we'll actually have some free time mm-hmm. um, and he'll get older. He'll make some friends. Um, so overall good birthdays can't, I can complain, but I am choosing not to. <laughs> Great. Who watched the kid? Where, who watched the um, my brother, my brother, he lives about an hour north of Austin and he came down and watched Antler for like three and a half ish hours. Oh, sweet. Yeah. So it was nice. It was nice. Yeah. Yeah. The key is always like help. Yes. 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 Just so, so much help. Yeah. All the yeah. time. So, and on our birthday, he went to camp. So we had a little break on each birthday. So it was helpful. Still hoping and praying and wishing and praying and hoping and praying that he'll get into a school in September. He's on the trajectory to get in, but you know, we've gotten that pulled out of us, like pulled the rug pulled out underneath us like two other times before. So just like trust in that and like surrendering to like, that's the plan. And if it changes, then it changes. And Mm. I'm so tired of just fighting and being so mad or upset or whatever. So have you looked into the homeschooling communities? So we haven't yet because I think, uh, I mean, I think the only reason we haven't is just because he does really well in big, in like groups and not saying yeah, that homeschooling, well, homeschooling won't have No, group, not your right? teaching. I'm talking about in here, they have homeschooling communities where y- you take them to school. Oh, okay. But, but like, it doesn't have to follow the whole vaccine situation. Mm. You know, it had it just like the, they're just more free, free, you know, free flowing. Mm-hmm. They because they're not technically a quote unquote school, they don't have the same requirements as the schools follow. Right. 
Right. So yeah, if we were to stay in Maine, that's where we would be sending Penelope and Ruby. Yeah, might be an option if yeah, he can't get you, in. That's a more year. outside the box thinking, and there's a lot of because with all the vaccine situation that happened, right? There, people are just leaving the school systems, and if they yeah. start enforcing masks this year again, like people are out, they're out, they're looking for something. So, mm-hmm. um, something yeah. to think about. Yeah. Yeah. So, so tell me about your article your relationships talking about men and relationships. And I'm really interested in this conversation purely because I think you and I like trans man to cis man have a very unique relationship, even right here. And I actually mm-hmm. Googled relationships between trans and cis men and, and tried to navigate the Google search and I could find nothing, nothing. It was mostly just about like, it was like dating references, but mm-hmm. not about just actual friend relationships. You know, you could write an article on that. There you go. I mean, this is like, we just look at like the words people are searching for on trans and like cis, or, and then we start putting content together around that. This yeah. is a good reminder. Okay. So my article is from the good man project and this is the goodmanproject.com. It says the truth about men in relationships with other men. And what it boils down to is that men are transactional and not trans transformational. Transactional relationships are relationships that do not require emotional investment. So they went through the article and talked about mainly for men. It's about conquering the world together. There's little room for emotion and feeling. It's all about fixing fixing the obstacle and getting to the quickest solution. Many men see emotion as weakness. And even in Christian circles, men will give you dozens of scriptures, advice, and a promise to pray for you. Yet the feeling is the same. Men want Mm -hmm. to fix you instead of being authentic relationship with you. So they talked about women will sit with their friends. They cry, they laugh, and be present in the moment. For women, it isn't about fixing the other person. It's about being present for them in the time of need. So transactional relationships focus on the exchange of goods and information. It is a shallow relationship that offers a solution to your problem. So, and then they talked about um, three ways to, oh, sorry, that was a transactional. And then a transformative, transformative relationship, transformative. Format. I guess I should look how to spell the word first. Transform. Transform. What is this word? It might be backwards. Transformational. Yes. There we go. A transformational relationship is a golden standard. This type of relationship is the point which all relationships must evolve. A transformational transformational Relationships promotes emotional connection, being present with the person, learning to be okay with the awkward, and ensuring that the person feels supported. When a man feels supported on this level, change will happen. Um, so that is, and then they gave three solutions, or three things you could do to be in a more transformational relationship. Number one is to sit with another man's pain. So as a man, someone, someone's pain makes me feel bad. Their discomfort makes me feel awkward and sad. 
And mm. so then inside we spring into action to fix the pain and fixing someone else's pain is more about me not being sad about, let me read that again. Fixing someone else's pain is more about me not being sad about them than it is about them no longer being sad. So it's like when somebody expresses discomfort, I feel so much discomfort in myself that it's awkward. And then I just want to fix the problem instead of sitting with that with myself is what happens as they're talking about with men. Number two is asking more questions. Um, it's like that with the example they said is going to the doctor and like a doctor just gives you take this pill and then move on. And they didn't ask any questions about where your symptoms are. They didn't ask like what's going on with you. You just walked in. They're like, take Xanax. Okay, bye. And it's like, why are you doing this? So if we want to move forward from transactional to transformational relationships, there must be a commitment to stop giving unsolicited advice. And they mm. talked about how men's biggest thing is they want to fix everything. They give unsolicited advice. So it's, it's when that pops up, start asking more and more questions. And then number three is to be continued support. So the higher quality of relationships, the more likely you are to thrive. So it's staying with your friends that are in pain. Like I was watching a friend of mine's Instagram feed today about his mother just passed away about 10 days ago. And so it's be like, oh, dude, I feel you're, you know, I, I sending you love and that's it. It's like, no, just follow up in a couple of days. Be like, yo, man, how's it going? You know, it's creating that dialogue of the continued uh because that's just not going to go away, right? It's the pain is mm. not going to end tomorrow. Right. Um, in short, transformational relationship with another man makes you a better man. So that's what uh, the article was really about today. So I can kind of give my take on like what came to me when I was doing this. And then you can, or you can respond and I can give my take later. How, what do you think we should handle that? Why don't you just go back and forth? Why don't you just hit yeah, go ahead. some of the topics and then. So it's been interesting where I shared at the top of the episode regarding my own relationship with Kate, right. you know, in this, and this is not about man, but I've noticed it as being a man in relationship with a woman and this dynamic taking place. And so for her, she doesn't want me to fix all our freaking problems, right? She just is, is talking it out. But immediately I go into problem fixing. I'm an engineer. Right. I see systems and structures all day. Like this is how we fix it. So when it comes, so I've seen this more so in my dynamic now, but now I'm starting to notice it in the man-to-man -man relationship. Mm. So like last night, my buddy brought something up to me. Um, we were leaving it, leaving the movie and it was nine o'clock at night. Right. And so he's like, okay, I got to go. And I'm like, where, where the fuck are you going, dude? It's nine o'clock. I know you got two kids, <laughs> like your wife already, they're already asleep. He's like, I got to get it back home. And I'm like, for what? Like, it, cause another one of our, we went with three guys. One of the guys was going to the bathroom or outside waiting. He's like, okay, I'll see, I'll see you later. And I'm like, what the, what was going on? And so he, cause we went to dinner and then we went to the movie. We had a good time. And he's like, don't you ever feel that when you're gone from the house that you have to get back? Like you got to be productive when you're away from the house. You got to make sure you're really productive outside of the family time and get it done. And I said, I, I used to feel this way, but not so much anymore. Uh, you know, having an au pair has been helpful for that, but just making sure that things are covered and then working on my own, like working, getting clarity with where I am on my own relationship with my family. Right. So I just said, I was like, no, I don't really feel like he's like, oh man, you're lucky. You know, because he was like, mm. he felt he had to get back home at nine o'clock at night because he wasn't productive for the last four hours because he was like at dinner with us and watching a movie. So he like had to rush back home. 
And even right. though his kids were already, there was nothing to do besides like go to bed. Right. So. And why is that I, not productive? Right. Right. So I was like, why? I was like, what happened? And then, so what immediately, it's not that I didn't, I could have, when I replayed that conversation this morning, I could have asked more questions. Be like, why do you feel that way? What's going on? You know, instead of me giving a response, because I said something, I was like, no, this is why we hired Amanda, you know, Mm -hmm. to help to live with us because it's like eases that whole fresh, you know, that feeling. And he, you know, and I was just replaying that to be like, okay, this dude is like expressing a need, right? Because it's like, I think what came to it is feeling like I'm not, we have to, we have to counteract everyone's needs, right? And as men, I don't feel like I'm getting my needs met. So I am not listening to somebody else's needs and I keep wanting to get my needs. So it's like, let's get through this, work through it quickly. Mm-hmm. And then we can focus on getting each other's needs met. Um, right. but yeah, I would say even, even I'm way better at this now than let's say a decade ago, but definitely the unsolicited advice piece, you know, yeah. just giving people answer like mansplaining. I get that, you know, the yeah. term is what it's called. So mm-hmm. it's even doing that, the mansplaining thing, you know? And so it's like, especially that's helped. It's been very transformative in my own relationship, right. but noticing it in interactions with dudes. Yeah, no, when you were talking, that was definitely one of the things that I thought about when you, me and Jane Lee, Jane Lee and I's relationship are is is similar in the sense that I have just learned probably in the last two years to just ask her, do you want my advice on this? Like, do you want to hear what I would do? Or like, do you feel like you need any ideas on like how to structure that better? Or, um, and sometimes she says yes. And she's like, yeah, I just feel so lost. Like I don't even know where to start. And so then I'm like, great. Like here's 50 ideas that I've thought of in the last 25 minutes. Um, And then sometimes like you were saying about Kate, sometimes she's just like, no, like I just, I want to give myself, like I want to give myself an opportunity to come up with my own solution before you just start telling me what I should or shouldn't do, right? Um, I mean, there's just so much unpacked there. It's like, there's a judgment of like, well, what if I don't wanna do what you do? Do you not think that I can come up with an idea? Um, I think there's a lot of other things that go on. And, you know, I would, I would argue this is, you know, both man and woman, you know, have that kind of thing. Cause sometimes I'll be talking to a guy friend and just explain, and they're like, oh, well, you should just, you know, I don't know. You should just wake up at five and you could do it then. And then da 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 and blah, blah, blah. And I'm just like, yeah, like, I, yeah, I could totally sit here and problem solve, but I'm going through the annoyance and that emotion of annoyance and frustration. Mm-hmm. And I'm just trying to be like, this sucks. You know what I mean? Like, give me a moment of suck and then I'll be ready to like, you know, get up and get things done. Um, so, yeah, it's definitely unsolicited advice is kind of a hard one, I think for all guys. Yep. Yeah. I think it's just hard for us as humans, but I think men have a bigger problem Mm -hmm. with it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't really have much more to say on this article. You can share yours. Okay. There was one other thing you mentioned in it that I felt was interesting. I'm trying to think about what you were, there was kind of like three main points, right? Yeah, there was learn to sit with another man's pain. Okay. Which is kind of 
allow just being present in that situation. Ask more right. questions with the unsolicited advice. Okay. And be continued a uh, continued support. So okay. I think just listening to guys struggling is something not just men have, but I think society has in itself. Right. Right. Like if I, you know, I think it's, it makes un, when I would share, it's like, I can relate back to like a lot. So much of this relates back to my intimate relationship with Kate versus like with dudes, because it's like, that's what we've been working on. When I'm sharing, I'm struggling with her. She goes into this place of shutdown Mm. and thinks that everything's falling apart. Right. But that's her own stuff. But I can see when other guys, we are not comfortable unless you can really get in there with somebody that I've seen in my own man, man, men relationships, mm-hmm. because like, why would I share and sit with somebody else's pain? If you're just going to mansplain, you know, if you're just going to basically <laughs> give me unsolicited advice about it. Right. And then it's like, it, then it turns into like a judgment where it's like feeling like I'm judging you. Right. Right. And then with the continued support, I think the ongoing deal is like a big place as well that I've had to really learn from. And it doesn't mean it's just like checking in. Like my, my friend just went through something. His wife was in the hospital last week and I just like texted him this week. Oh, how's it going, man? Mm-hmm. Yeah. How are you doing? And, and he's like, good, things are getting better. And I was like, great. You know? So that's what, yeah, but those are the three learn to sit with another man's pain, ask more questions and be continued support. What, why do you think that being continued support is like so hard. Cause I feel like I too find myself saying something or asking and saying like, Oh, so how are you, how are you doing? Right. In that scenario, how are you doing? Yeah. Oh, she's I'm getting fine. better. Great. Yeah, I'm fine. Right. And yeah. then, and then just being like, okay, cool. Like checked in on them. But like, yeah. I don't know. I feel like the reality is, is that that's not really a check-in is it? No. No, because I've written back I'm fine or just ignored a text altogether when I wasn't fine and didn't want to message the person back. And then if the person says fine and then you say good, it's like, what was there any actual did anything actually change or was there any actual connection in that interaction? No, not in that exact moment, but I think it depends on each situation. Like I in the the space i just think of it for myself in this space of with my skin that's been happening mm. i don't have i don't think there's one maybe that's not entirely true i've had a lot of female support mm. there has been a lot of women that have reached out to me and said yo i'm sorry you're going through this or whatever but i could probably count on one hand if not like less than five fingers like the amount of guys that have actually had a chat with me while it's going on Mm. and so yeah i think with jonathan whoops uh but with him with my (laughs) buddy it was we've we had a longer conversation the prior week and i know he was doing his work to like let process this Mm -hmm. i think in that situation we were kind of on the same page but there will be a longer conversation that comes later right um you know, it takes, I think, to really dive in. Like I see Kate and her girlfriends, they have the they have a Voxer group where they're just in Voxer lip seeing sending each other's voice memos all the time and they listen to it when they want to, which I love that. And I do that with my friends as well. And they'll just send each other 10 minute voice memo check in and Kate will be driving listening or eating lunch and just listening. And 
Um, Voxer is a great place for that because it's way easier than sending. It's like WhatsApp in that way where mm-hmm. you can, it's much better than the iMessage audio function and stuff. And so they're doing this processing all the time and they give each other suggestions and they're listening. But with, with guys, I don't see with my buddies, even from high school, we're in a group chat and it's just like really quick. We're not actually in those deep dive conversations. Mm-hmm. So I think what does it look like to have, I know people in men's groups feel supported that way. Like if they go to a thing every week, then they're in that space. But yeah, it's something I could do better, especially with Jonathan be like, yo, let's sit down, chat. Let's talk it out. Like how's it have been going? Right. What's the difference between suggestions and advice? Because when we talk about men, we say unsolicited advice when you were just mentioning Kate and her girlfriends, it's like suggestions. Is I that- think with, so the advice, this is a good question. I think if they ask for it, right? Like I'm asking for feedback. Mm-hmm. It's, it's getting consent, right? Instead of mm-hmm. just saying, okay, I'm feeling down. Well, maybe she go walk around the block. <laughs> right. And it's right. So, so do you think that the conversations that Kate are having is having with her friends, these women are saying, Kate, what do you think I yeah, should do? They are okay. definitely. Yeah? I hear okay. some of them. Okay. What has frustrated me the most from people has been recently is like when people tell me what I should be doing, mm. you know, and I'm like, I'm don't fucking tell me what to do. Like I get pissed right. and I You're just the like, opposite. don't. Yeah, I'm like, don't tell me what to do. But if I come to you and say, this is where I need advice from it, then I love it, right? right? I'm like, even the woman I met with yesterday, Deb, she, when she was in Miami, she was telling me how I should, what I, what my skill set is and my strength and how I should run my business. And I was not in a, like, I was low, you know, I was healing my body. This is before I broke my knee. And I was like, don't fucking talk, talk to me like that way. Don't tell me what to do. Like in my head, yeah. I was like, yeah. don't ever talk to me. So I sent her a Voxer the other day. I was like, okay, I'm ready to talk to you. I was like, I was annoyed with you, but now I'm fine. She's like, well, let's talk about why you were annoyed with me. Like that's something it was, she's like, let's talk about that first. And right. I just said her approach was just like, let's deal with that. You're right. right. Let's deal with your emotion. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, I was annoyed because you told me what I should do and I wasn't ready to receive it. But now I'm paying you for Mm. 45 minutes of your time. And I'm ready to talk about, talk that out. So I think with if, but their relationship, right. So like Kate's girlfriend's relationship, this has been ongoing for years, Mm -hmm. right? So their dynamic has been established and this is, it's this established online relationship versus I think where it gets us in trouble is like, if I meet you and I haven't seen you in a year and then we show up, together and we're just and then i'm just spouting off all these things you should do better it's not going to make you feel good right Mm -hmm. it's just like well i just want to voice my i just want to chat instead of like go do this this is this and this right and yeah and i think with kate what she says is they always give recommendations but it comes back to like how do i feel about it they're not Mm -hmm. trying to solve the other person's problems they're just saying ideas out loud Mm mm-hmm so it's also in like the approach of the communication. And so I'm asking this question because it kind of relates to the article that I have, which was from talkspace.com. And uh, when I was doing the research on just like preparing for this episode and like men in relationships, a lot of the things I got were mostly like, like for women on how to handle mm-hmm. men 
because they don't know how to handle themselves, so to speak. Like and, men don't know how to handle themselves or women don't know how to handle themselves? No, men don't know how to handle themselves. Yeah. So it's like, oh, like you need to learn the ins and outs of what it is about masculinity so that you can navigate the space properly so you can get what you need, so to speak, or create these intimate partnerships, which a lot of the like subcontext I got from these articles was like, it's the woman's responsibility to navigate masculinity so that she can get a relationship that is thriving. And right. I is like ridiculous in my mind and the exact opposite of what we're doing here. Right. So whenever I hear that, I'm just like, okay, like I already don't really like this article. Um, you know, like, cause I just, and they're always written by women. So it's just, well, women it's the way the world up. works. Yeah. Right. Right yeah. now. It's like, even Justin Baldoni talked about his book is his book was mainly there's so many women bought it. Right. Right. Which you knew that was going to happen. Yeah. You know? And they follow their pot and then all the men leave like negative reviews. Right. Right. They just leave like trash him for being soft or a wuss or whatever. Right. right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So mm -hmm. it's an interesting. And that's where Glennon Doyle said in that episode about like it's women are going to be fine. It's men's job to like take care of men. Right. Right. right? Yeah. Right. And yeah. then I think so it what came up in this like so the title of this was men's surprising relationship needs. And I think it's interesting because the language we use around men, I always wonder, well, I don't wonder, I think I know that it's upholding these, the man box, because this article is called Men's Surprising Relationship Needs. And literally all, the, all of it is about how men have the exact same needs as women. And that they're really not all that different and that, you know, men just, you know, due to, you know, machoism is a lot of the language they use. It's like they're they're They don't articulate it in the same fashion that women do. Um, and so I, my immediate thought after reading it was like the whole title is problematic because it's doing exactly like the title is what brought people in. Like, oh, mm -hmm. men's, oh, surprising relation. Oh, I need to know because I'm always so, I, I don't know how to navigate, right? Like, like, why is it so surprising that like, you know, men, you know, want the same things as women in relationships? Right. Like, why is that surprising? And so when I think about language and how we structure language around masculinity and men in particular, like I even wonder, like at some point there is men who give unsolicited advice and then I also think that there's just men who are giving suggestions and just mm -hmm. saying like, like I, whenever I give a, uh, like I give advice, but I've learned over the last few years to also say like, Hey, listen, like, you know, first you want any advice. And if they say, yeah, like, what would you do? I'm kind of curious. And I'll say, I'll say what it is. And then at the end I'll be like, but listen, like it's your life. And like, you can take what you like and you just throw the rest away. Like, that's what mm -hmm. I tend. That's like my one liner at the end of my advice is like, whatever, like, you're going to know what's best for you. I don't know. Like, I'm just kind of saying like, oh, well, given the circumstances, this looks like an idea you could do. Um, and it's so I always just wonder, like, at what point can should we start shifting even the language we use around men and masculinity when we have articles that are like surprising relationship needs or like all the articles pretty much said the same thing that like men are no different than women but we have masculinity which has you know held men back 
in, you know, from actually expressing these things and being like hard as nails was one of the terms I heard. And, you know, toxic masculinity was one of the terms and um, women trying to like fix men, so to speak. Um, so it's just, you know, the most interesting part of the whole conversation around relationships is just like, what if we just treated men the way we treat women? When it came to relationships in general, mm -hmm. in the sense of like, what if we just, you know, tried to, if a guy's like looking upset and about to cry, like most times, if a woman's in my presence and she's about to cry, like I'll go give her a hug and just be like, it's fine. Like totally like let it out. Like it's, you know, this is a hard time or whatever. Like mm -hmm. just try to like in like in body and affirm that. Right. Um, as opposed to like, when I see other men cry, it's like, like, okay. So when we were leaving Miami, you got teary eyed and was like about to cry. And I, my first reaction was like, I should go and touch Mike. Like I should put my hand on his shoulder. I should physically. Why was touch I about to cry? Because you were, you were, we were getting on the elevator with the wagon. And oh yeah. Now I remember. Okay. It was just a big transitional time. Yeah. You know yeah, yeah, I mean? yeah. You weren't like yeah. about to cry. Cause you were sad. You were about to cry. Cause it was like, shit like you know what i mean like a lot has gone on in the last six months and like mm -hmm. this is just a lot and i think you were just feeling that heaviness yeah. um and so again so my first reaction is like i need to touch like because touch mm -hmm. is a really good way to you know even just a hand on the shoulder or like you know just something eye con like because usually you can't make eye contact because a person is upset um just to let them know like you're safe like you're safe mm -hmm. i'm here you can be vulnerable and cry i will i'm here to to kind of like protect, so to speak, the space in which you're going to allow this vulnerability to come through. Um, and I had a, uh, I, I was like, oh, and then, but then like, you kind of like, I'll use the language like bucked up. Like you were kind of mm -hmm. like, gotta get upset. And then you're like, no, like, I'm fine. It's okay. Like, yeah, I'm fine. And then I was like, okay, like maybe I shouldn't touch him because I don't, I don't want to like, I don't know. I didn't want it to be. Yep awkward <laughs> right like so so again just kind of thinking like in what ways can we just stop making sure that we're doing one thing with women and another thing with men and just ask about these things well i think even that of touching somebody is is a it goes back to kind of the article of learning to sit with somebody else's pain Right. Because I watched the Tony Robin documentary, Robin's documentary on Netflix. The woman was at this event and she was crying and her friend was touching her back. And Tony was like, don't touch her. Mm. Like, let her be in her stuff because she is he was explaining it like there's more context to this example. But her is like she cries and then she gets something for crying. Right. Mm -hmm. So there's this emotional release and you get something from someone else. They, they come and comfort you. And I think in the place of even if I was going to cry in the elevator. And even the way if Kate cries now, I just let I just sit and watch, you know, not being like an asshole about it. But I'm just like, <laughs> OK, if she needs me, she's going to signal to me that she would like some comfort or something. Mm -hmm. Right. And so. It's a, it's a place where I think not even just as we physically go towards, because in that moment you were like, 
there was a hesitation because of it's a man versus a, you know, a woman mm-hmm. in that way, probably. But mm-hmm. also you allowed me to like be in my stuff and process it in that way. And if I wanted like a hug, I'd come get it. Um, because it's like touching me would not give me more comfort. Right. Like right. just knowing myself. So I think allowing just you to sit there if we do this again, you know, this would be an interesting experiment, but if it happens again, it's like allowing me just to be there and process it. And I think that's what happened in that moment. But I've noticed that with myself, um, you know, with my kids is different than like adults. Right. So when people are working through their stuff, it's like, I want to just reading this article, but it's like, I'm being present by not trying to solve it either. Like in a way that touch could be the solution to the, their emotions. Mm. And yeah, it is, it is. We do have the same needs in many ways, right? And the same emotions. Mm-hmm. But I think as guys, like what we, what was I sharing earlier? It's about us getting it solved. Right. And so in that process of moving from problem to solution so quickly, it eliminates all of those emotional needs that we go through. Mm-hmm. And as it's little, just, yeah, go ahead. No, I was just going to say it's, interesting and good to hear the other side because i don't see it as like a reward and i'm not going to rub your back but even just a like a slight touch Mm -hmm. right like even just like a hand on the shoulder for just like three to five seconds just to 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 kind of reaffirm that like i am here i'm not just sitting and waiting for you to be now you have a relationship with kate so she knows you're not just like okay like just wait it's been five minutes like you know what i mean um but it's more of like, a, I am here. Like, I, like you take right. all the space you need. Like, I'm not here to necessarily comfort you, but I'm here mm-hmm. to just let you know that I'm with you. Like, I'm here. Like, even right. when, I meet, when I meet people in person and they're, they come up to me and, you know, they start telling me their story and they start crying. Like, I've now I always ask because I don't know this person. Yes. Right? I wouldn't just go up to a random person who's crying and touch them on the shoulder. Right. But I'm always just like, is it okay? Like, are you okay? And I kind of signal that I'm going to like touch them a little bit. And they'll be like, yeah, yeah. You know, and they're crying. And like, I just put my hands on their shoulders for a second or two. I just look into their eyes and, and that's it. I'm not like, you know, um, rubbing or anything mm-hmm. like that. Um, but it is interesting to hear. And I'll keep that in mind for the future of just like making sure that my signal is one okay, right? For yep. the other person to feel or to, to interact in that way. And then two, to just make sure that it's not necessarily a reward or a comfort, but more of a direct acknowledgement that like, I'm here, like I'm not going anywhere. This is where I'm at. Like, I'm gonna, as yeah. you were saying, I'm going to sit in this with yeah. you. Cause that even though, cause that's another form of unsolicited advice, but it's an unsolicited, like, physical touch type thing right mm. and so i think it's just it's something to just because it's even where it's like is that about them just the article that i shared earlier is that about them or is that about you right mm-hmm. like would you know if you wanted to cry would you like somebody to touch you in that way but i think asking for the consent is a good yeah i think it's just those yeah it's like every situation is a little bit different but it mm-hmm. is. I've seen people, you know, it's like I was watching the Mary J. Blige documentary on Netflix recently. And mm-hmm. like this woman is just like losing it in front of Mary J. Blige. And like, really? And Mary's just standing there. She's like, thank you so much. You know, because it is it's a place where because it's probably awkward for her as well. 
don't mm-hmm. know if it's been awkward for you, but like to have somebody saying like, you've changed my life and you're standing there in front of you, like crying, like there's an element of like, I don't even know who this person is, mm-hmm. you know, like it creates an awkwardness inside of maybe you as well. I don't, yeah. I don't know, just thoughts that were coming. Yeah, no, definitely interesting, interesting and very much, um, I don't know. It would be interesting to dive more into it in general, just because I, I feel like there's validity in both sides. And so how to, how to, what are the cues that I can use to pick up on, on what would be best for this individual? Because I yeah. think very often the people that I'm interacting with, they're never touched because they're outliers and they're different and they look mm. different. And even their parents aren't right. comforting them and touching them or, you know what I mean? Like giving them a hug or anything. And so as Tony Robbins was like, oh, well, you're giving them a reward. It's like, well, what if this person has never gotten a fucking really reward right. in their whole life? Like they're actually looking for that reward because they want to know that they're validated enough that someone wants to give them a hug because mm-hmm. they care for them. Right. And they so did I, later, but it was delayed. Mm. Right. So they did right. give a hug later, but it wasn't it wasn't immediately when they started crying. Mm. Right. It was because I do this with my kids when I think about it. Like if they fall down and, you know, in the they're running down the street and fall down, I don't immediately just drop everything and rush over there. No, I wait. Yeah. I just like <laughs> chill. I'm like, okay, well, where are they at? It would be the same way with somebody else. You know, it's like if Kate fell down, I would just be like, okay, assess the situation. Like what's happened here? Is there mm-hmm. blood? Do I see like blood? Is there, <laughs> what kind of, what kind of cry is it? What kind of scream? It's uh-huh. like a blood curling scream. Then you have something that's happening. If it's just like, oh, wow. Right. It's like a different. <laughs> right. So right. like with the kids, like if it, they're just like, oh, crap, I fell on my face and then they're stunned and they get up and then they you're might fine. cry or they might not cry. Right. So right. it's like if they're not crying, just go ahead and do the thing. If they're crying, is it something they just need a comfort real fast and then they're gone? Mm, right. Instead mm-hmm. of. Yeah. So I, I think it's. It's an interesting way to look at it too, because your community, you know, it's all community situation as well. Like the absolutely, people. absolutely, yeah. yeah. But most of us were not hugged enough as a child. Like, let's be honest. Right, right. You know? Most of us were just like, "You're fine, get up." Yes, yeah. Especially, yeah. I think, with men and their fathers, uh, like how awkward it is around oh, yeah. fathers. You I know, still like see it. I see it now. I see. It I have it with time. my own dad right now. You know, mm-hmm. he like hugs me and he pounds on me, like on my back. <laughs> Like that's what it's like the force to it's like a dominant thing. Mm-hmm. I think the next time he comes, I'll be like, yo, you don't have to freaking pound on me, dude. Right. I was like, I'm I can fine. pound on you and it's going to fucking hurt. Right. Right. Like I will <laughs> hurt you if you want to pound. Right. And it's just like, just give me a hug. And then you have right. other people that give you a hug, but they're not really hugging you. They like do the weird embrace situation mm-hmm. where it's just like, yeah. Or the man hug where they're like, you know, give you the, the man hug where it blocks what they talked about this in the just about Donnie, where they like mm-hmm. block your heart. Right. The pound and you put yeah, the it's like, hands. Yeah, you pound and you grip and then you bring it close together where it's not a real hug, but right. Yeah. Right. So I think it's just what everybody's everybody has a different comfort level. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So with I'm curious about uh like talking about our relationship, you yeah. and I, right? Trans guy, cis guy. Um, were there any in our relation, like, cause a lot of this was like debunking some of the things, right? Yes, like, Oh, yeah. you think it was like myth busting. Were there any myths that were debunked in our relationship with us in the eyes of a cis man who was 
starting and beginning a relationship with the trans guy. You mean since we've been together? Yeah. Um, I think what I first noticed talking to you was how quickly you were not, you were, I would say was not transactional. It was more transformational. Mm. So the, with you and me, the way you were towards me, I always would like to be more transfer, transfer, uh, transformational with people, but a lot of relationships are more transactional, mm. you know, with guy, like I went out to lunch with a buddy of mine this week too. And it was very like, it was, you know, it was just awkward. Right. Mm. And I think with you, the way you approached it is definitely more transformational where it, we dove in more quickly than years. Like I have friends I've been with for years. We've never even got to the place that you and I have been already. Mm. Right. And so I think that was the biggest thing. I don't know if it was debunking it between a trans. I think one thing you hear a lot of stuff in the news. One thing I did notice of traveling with you mm -hmm. was like, you're the same fucking person as me, right? Like there's <laughs> right. regardless of how you were born and where how we are today. Like I was just like left that I'm like, well, that was just like hanging out with a dude. And, and I know I've hung out with trans men and trans women before, but mm -hmm. I don't think as intimate as it has been with you and me. Right. And I think, and that thing was just like, I didn't, I didn't go in expecting it to be different but I think in the car conversation, I left that and I was like, why is this such a big fucking deal? Like I, I, you know, in my head, logically, I was like, this isn't a big deal, but like hanging out with you. I'm like, who fucking like, what is the people's problems? Like get right. over yourself. Right. Right. And I think where it was, um, that transformational experience much more quickly. Mm. And then you don't have a problem with, stating your needs or your wants mm -hmm. and with i think with guys sometimes that it takes longer right and so i realized i think for me on the other reverse of it was me actually expressing my needs and wants more upfront because i've been more reserved with it so it's actually stating and it's not a problem if i do voice them where it's wrong in that that's, way that's so funny you say that because I think that I learned that, you know, like real men state what they want, even if it's different. Right. So it's like, oh, if Mike wants this, well, well, I don't want that. So I'm going to say what I want because that's what a real guy does. Right. Like a real man is like, well, I don't care if you like this. I want that. And that's the one I want. So it's interesting you say that because I feel like stepping into my masculinity beforehand i could never say what i wanted like ever mm -hmm. like i never i was always like well what do you well i kind of want this okay no we'll do that like whatever you want any like i was always like whatever you want um and now i think a part of i think at first it was more of like macho like like no like this is what i want i'm gonna i'm gonna do what i want even if it's a the lone wolf right um and i think now it's more of just that balance of well, like I'm allowed to like say what I like and don't like and like what what do you want? Like, let's can we compromise? Is this a, a place where I just want to be like, yeah, sure, fine. Like, let's do your thing. Or is this a place where I'm like, no, like I'm not going to eat that because mm -hmm. <laughs> that, that's usually where it comes up. Like, I'm not going to eat that <laughs> with food. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
So no, that's kind of interesting dynamic. It's me. It's been a, I think a lot of it is, it's like me really discovering coming back to myself in a way. Like I felt like I always was confident in myself, who I was. And then I started running this whole company for women and I started hearing this other side of the story. So mm-hmm. then I like retreated and made it almost made it seem like, and then the me too movement happened. And then listening to people, st- listening to women's stories and listening to all of this stuff take place. And then I was like, okay, I was wrong. And this, then I, then I learned where I was wrong. And then going through count, you know, therapy with Kate and learning about how her, it affected her in this way. And so then I became more reserved with what I actually wanted. Cause then I started mm-hmm. putting everybody's needs in front of my own but also it goes back to like when I was a little kid, a lot of my ideas and stuff were rejected and that it was incorrect, mm-hmm. right? So it's like me voicing what I actually want. I'm afraid of the rejection of it. And then what's the point of actually voicing it, right? right? So it's different than I think the perception of um, what the traditional masculine approach is for me. But now I'm getting to the place where it's like, oh, I can actually voice my needs and realize, because if I voiced it, let's talk about just like, sex or something in, in in your relationship like if it's like oh let's have sex right now and it's you know 11 o'clock in the morning and my wife's like no i don't want to have sex right now like i'm not and then i could go and revert back to like this turn into a little kid where i feel rejected and like mm-hmm. i get and then it shuts me it's like shuts me down in this way to just be like no she's not into it so ask her at three like at three o'clock it might change so for it's that type of approach versus for a long time, it was like my ideas, it was told no at 11 a.m. And then that's no forever. Right. I go, I go from zero to 10. I don't go, there's no middleman with no middle number with me. But with now what I've been learning in the last few years is like, okay, 11 might not work, but three might, if three doesn't work, <laughs> nine o'clock might, right? It's like, just, it's like realizing that it doesn't necessarily mean no forever in this way. And so with mm-hmm. me expressing my needs, it's like, that has been the place for me to really learn from that context and a lot so much of this learning has happened in my own marriage right like that's where it is that's the person relationship with every single day right and so applying that the more i've learned about this exactly what you said it's very similar to other men like what goes on in my own marriage also can happen between men and there are relationships right we just have to like break that down um right. is there anything to re- response to your question you know like the stigma of the cis and trans mm-hmm. you know relationship that's existed yeah i, I thought about that because i knew that you would ask me <laughs> uh, <laughs> it was your question i know that's what i mean i was like well i should have an answer to this um i think for me like uh and we just keep mentioning the trip because it was this extended period of time together the whole time yeah um and without distract, there was no kids, right? There was no right. distractions. Yeah, right. I mean, half the time we weren't even driving for half of it. Yeah. So there wasn't even that distraction. Um, and so I think for me, the biggest thing that kind of was debunked, so to speak, was this concept of like being clocked. And so for the listeners who don't know what being clocked is, being clocked is a terminology created by black trans women, which means that someone can tell that you're transgender. So, you know, you're in a you're in a room and someone clocks you and they're like, oh, that person is trans. Right. And so I think a lot of trans men have this. So so my debunk was more of an insecurity was like, oh, my gosh, like if I'm surrounded by a, 
a cis guy 24 seven for three days. Like he's going to notice all the differences that are between us, all the things like, Oh, I, and I don't even know what the differences are because they're insecurities. Right. Um, mm-hmm. But I had a lot of that of like, Oh, like at every turn, this guy's going to be like, Oh, well, that's different. And this different, or what if I don't, what if I sit different or if I say something different or I ask that if I am more transformational in my communication and relationship with you, is that going to be more feminine? And so then mm. that's going to be like, why is this guy always like talking about his feelings? This? Yeah. His feelings. Like why is it, why is it always asking me all these freaking questions? You know what I mean? Um, and so a part of me was just like, Oh, like I'm, I was afraid of, of that. And then almost making more of a, more of a difference between the two of us. And I think for me, one, the interaction itself made me realize like, I, well, actually I'm really not all that different. Um, mm-hmm. especially like, just like the way we were joking and laughing, like we had like similar sense of humor, like, and it all made a lot of sense. Um, and then more importantly, you just communicating that back to me, like you just did a few minutes ago, just hearing that, like, oh, like, what is the big deal? And there really is no deal. I think that's, that's the uproar, right? That's so mm-hmm. many. And it's, it's within the cis community and the trans community, because the trans people, we separate ourselves very often when we don't need to necessarily separate ourselves. So uh, yeah, that was definitely one of the big, big myths that were you debunked. separate yourself from each other or separate yourself from like from cis, cis people? people we separate yeah. ourselves from cis people like we have all these insecurities i think or differences that we see so often and can acknowledge because they are slightly insecurities right like oh what if i'm what if i'm sitting more feminine and this guy is gonna be like real men don't sit like that. Right. Like these are, these are literal questions. Like these are literal things that a lot of trans men feel insecure about insecure about. And I have yeah. also at different times. Um, so yeah. Separating ourselves from trans people, from cis people. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it is, it's like, you're trying to fit in with men, mm-hmm. but also trying to fit in being a trans man, man. Mm-hmm. I'm just trying to fit in with men. Right. Right. So it's it. There's two. There's two things to try to fit in, or mm-hmm. two roadblocks versus me just trying to fit in with one. And trying just not to be like, what I the terminology I use is like I'm just also trying not to be a dick because right. I know a lot about, you know, so like I could just be some man's man, bro guy using language and very transactional and that would just fit me in really well and everything would be fine, quote unquote. But I also know that that's not, isn't helpful to the society as a whole. It's not helpful to men. It's not helpful to me. And mm. that's what, you know, we want to do even in this podcast is we, we want to help ourselves, <laughs> each other as our, our, as our man friends and, you know, all the other guys out there who are trying to navigate that space too. Cause I think men do want to show up more and thinking about these things is the very first step having that. Yeah. I also like a conversation. I have a buddy of mine that lives in Texas and he's really excited to listen to this podcast because there's this other part where a cis man, and I've talked to you about this previously a little bit, but it's like, I don't, 
understand like um what's the correct way to say this it's like i don't understand the process to be uncomfortable in my body right mm -hmm. like to to make the transition mm -hmm. right becoming a trans man i, I don't get it right like it's not in a not mm -hmm. don't say it you know it's like that's not a thought i've ever had so i think what happens a lot of times in these conversations where it's it's we have to understand why you made a choice right mm -hmm. like why did you become a trans man and they please explain it to me like give mm -hmm. me the rundown and i think being with you i'm like it doesn't fucking matter like i don't like after being with you i'm like who cares like this mm -hmm. person felt uncomfortable for a certain reason and then they feel more comfortable in their body for this reason right it's just like moving from me moving from maine to right or i've explained this to somebody the other day where it's like if i eat meat and then we always ask the vegetarians or the vegans why did you go vegan why did you go vegetarian give me your story <laughs> like the vegans aren't walking around and be like why the fuck do you eat meat you know when did you start eating meat why did you switch to eating meat you know like mm -hmm. that conversation usually doesn't happen so it's like okay you're a vegan great okay bye you know it's like what it's not we don't have to have dialogue around all of this stuff and i feel like because it goes back to kind of what I shared earlier regarding being continued support, sometimes asking more questions, but it's allowing to sit because the pain of me, because my buddies brought this to me too, when he, when I was talking about this podcast, he was like, well, I don't understand why someone, you know, how that works, like becoming a trans man or what that feeling is like, but that's my own discomfort. Right. Mm -hmm. And I want you to solve my discomfort by explaining your life to me. Mm -hmm. And it's really none of fucking business. Right. <laughs> so it's like this place where it's like, just allow me to sit in the discomfort to think about, hmm, you know, the other day I was uncomfortable in the shirt. So I just got rid of it and got myself a new shirt. Where right. it's like, I know it's more, com it's way more complex than that, but it's like the feeling of the discomfort and allowing to be like, well, I want this person to help me solve my own discomfort instead mm -hmm. of just being, you know, it's like realizing like, if you want to share your story, great, you'll share it. And if you don't, it's not my business. You know, it's just for it's yeah. my job to accept you for who you are and who you're telling the world to be. Right. Right. Yeah. Agreed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so... <laughs> <laughs> Let's close it out. Right. Uh, make sure to leave a five-star review on iTunes. <laughs> that's it. Nothing else needs to be said. Aiden's like, finally, <laughs> somebody states it, right? It's exactly. Like, yeah. Thank you so much for listening on today's episode of The State of Men. Uh, I am Mike Watts. I'm Aiden Dowling. Please leave a five-star review at where you listen to your podcast. Preferably, first preference would be Apple. If you go there. And also, you can hit us up on The State of Men on Instagram. Uh, we will comment back and, you know, we're into the dialogue over there. So we'll see you on the social media in our next episode. Yeah. You could be transactional and transformational. Boom. Have a great day. <laughs>